Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and I am so excited that you're here to catch the weekly replay of my laid-back yet very inspiring conversations with other full-time professional artists. The purpose of this series is to show aspiring artists that it is completely possible to have a great career in the arts. And if you ever want to tune in and have your questions answered in real time by myself or featured guests, then just check out the schedule over at facebook.com groups slash artist academy every Tuesday to catch us on live. I'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, a program for artists who want to up-level their art game by taking it from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time six-figure art business. With weekly trainings that include step-by-step proven art business techniques, plus painting tutorials from yours truly and other guest artists who are masters in their field, you will be well-equipped to learn and grow into the highly skilled and highly profitable artist you know you're meant to be. I've figured out what it takes to build my own six-figure art business, and now my heart is set on teaching aspiring artists like you to do the same. It's not hard, but it does require your time and dedication. So if you're up for the challenge, go to advancedmember.com. That's advancedmember.com to learn more. This week's episode features Appalachia-based illustrator Rosalie Hazlett. It was a treat getting to interview Rosalie because I do a little bit of research on every guest, basically enough to know that that someone's legit before I interview them, but I like to not know everything about them before the interview. I kind of like to keep some of it as a surprise, and I was so taken back by how far Rosalie has gotten in her art career in such a short time. She's only 25 and has found her niche, does artist residencies in national parks, (laughs) and illustrates for big-time outdoor brands. This girl has it figured out, and she's full of spot on advice. (laughs) If you're a nature lover, go ahead and do yourself a favor and follow her on Instagram. Her feed is inspiring and will make you want to walk out of your studio and into the forest. (laughs) But let me know what you think about this week's episode with Rosalie Hazlett. Could you just kind of tell a little bit about yourself, maybe for anybody who doesn't know who you are, so they could kind of get to know you? Yeah, so I'm Rosalie, and I'm an illustrator, and I'm from West Virginia, which is in the middle of nowhere, (laughs) Um, but I really like that. And I am 25, so I've been out of college for about three years, and I've been doing this full-time for almost two years. So I do all sorts of things, but it's all pretty much in the realm of, like, educational illustration um, about the natural world. So I do... So one of the things that I do is I teach a lot of workshops in person. I just released my first online watercolor course, which is teaching people to be better um, appreciators of the natural world using watercolor as a tool. And I have an online shop where I sell prints of a lot of my work. And I also uh, retail and wholesale to about 30 shops in a few different states. 
Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and I also do a lot of commercial illustration too. So I work for a lot of different organizations and brands that have missions that align with mine. That's really important to me. Um, so a couple of the clients that I've been working with recently have been um, well, Patagonia is a new one that I just scored recently, so I'm really excited about that. That's one of my main projects right now. Um, and I've worked for uh, Smithsonian Folklife, and that was really fun. Keen Footwear, they make hiking boots. Um, the Audubon Society, which is a bird conservation organization. So just all sorts of fun people. Wow. And it's, I think, one of my favorite things about this job is you just never know who is going to email you next or who you could reach out to. And like, it's so hard to predict where your journey will take you, but it's so fun. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that is so cool. I actually did not know any of the, the major names that you work with. So that's so awesome. So yeah. first off, my first question is, how did how do you find people like that? How do they find you? Do you go through an agent? Are you completely independent? How does that work? Mm -hmm. So I'm completely independent. Um, I think that, so it's, it's different for each client. And every time I get a new client, reaching out to me, I always ask them, how did you find me? Because I'm just so curious. I feel like a nobody and I'm like, in the, like I said, in the middle of like the mountains. So I'm like, how do you find me? Um, but I think a lot of it is through social media. That's kind of a hook. I share a lot of my process and I use hashtags and all that jazz. Um, and then a lot of it's word of mouth. So like when I host a workshop, there will be people that'll come that'll then be interested in my work and tell their coworkers about my work. And then also just through Google search. That's how Patagonia actually found me. And I thought that was really wild. I was like, I don't know. I just, I guess that they would only work with agent, um, people that have agents or a representative by really fancy organizations. But they found me through Google. So you never know. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. And you're doing just a little bit of everything. That's, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> you even teaching yeah. now. Congrats on the whole uh, teaching course. You. Uh, do you have a book too, or is it just mainly a course? Cause I thought it was a book, but I guess maybe not. Yeah. It's just a course for okay. now. Yeah. Um, I definitely would love to have a book in the future. That's on my like five year plan, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So yeah. what, what took you from like hobby to professional artist? What was the tipping point that really happened there? Mm. And also, how did you end up where you are in the middle of the mountains? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was born here, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I just really liked it. Um, I really like being able to walk out your back door and just be in the woods. And I live close to Pittsburgh, so that's a pretty big city. Um, in my mind and so I can like easily feel connected to like the cool things that are happening in Pittsburgh and also just like enjoy the natural world every day which I love. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the first question? Yeah sure uh, so what was the tipping point that took you from like okay. hobby to professional? Yeah so when I first graduated from college I went to school for graphic design actually but that was mostly because I was afraid to be an illustrator <laughs> because I just I didn't know anyone that was an illustrator and I just felt like something's like fishy here like people say it's a career but also I don't know a single person that does this so like where are they? Yeah. Um, so I just thought that it wasn't like I couldn't do it. Um, I really doubted myself with that. So. I ended up going to school for graphic design because I was like, okay, this is something that's creative, but I know graphic designers, it seems a little bit like more realistic. Um, but every 
free second that I had throughout college. And since I was like four, I've been drawing and painting. So I've just always been building up those skills. And even when I was studying something else that wasn't totally related, I was still working on those skills and taking on some like little illustration commissions of like people's houses and random things throughout college. Um, and then when I graduated from college, I was a graphic designer for a food and farm organization, which is a nonprofit and it was really cool, but I was doing graphic design work and I just like knew that that wasn't fulfilling for me. Sorry, I'm really sunny right now. I feel like yeah. I'm like radiating. Like, oh no, you're fine. Actually, I, I'm, I'm in a really hot room too, so I'm oh, like, no. oh, oh, we're good. <laughs> like, yeah, the exposure is really weird. That is <laughs> it's okay. But, um, I just hope I'm not blinding anyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I did this job for like almost a year and I, throughout that whole time, I was like, this isn't right. Like, I know that I, this isn't what I, need to be doing with my life and so I started slowly kind of like strategizing how I could get into a career that fit in line with my dreams a little more and so I decided okay every night I'm gonna put in two hours after I get back home from work and I'm gonna just do what I need to do to like get a little bit closer every day towards that goal I love that and it was it was really hard because graphic design is creative and so I was using that creative energy, but it just wasn't like in the way that I wanted to be using it. But I was coming home every day and I was just exhausted from the day and really didn't want to do art or like open up an online shop or all those things that I ended up doing, but I like made myself. So, um, and that's something that I always encourage people to do. If you're thinking about quitting your day job and becoming full-time, like slowly ease into it and be super disciplined, building things up so you're like, not left hanging without a job all of a sudden, like make it as smooth of a transition as possible. So, um, so yeah, so I'm building up like a resume. I created an illustration website. I opened an online shop with just a few prints. I had like six prints and I was like, oh, this is awkward because I, I didn't like the idea of like marketing myself yet. So I started just like building up an online shop, doing all of that. Um, I worked out a gallery show, like a little mini gallery show to show some of my recent work. And then I started applying for things. And one of the main things that I was applying for was artist residencies at national parks. And there are a lot of them. They're like, I think over a hundred different places, like national park sites across the U.S. that have these residencies. Have you ever done one? No, but it's on my list. So tell me more. <laughs> you should do. Yeah, I will. I love talking about them because yeah. I think a lot of people don't know about them but they're an amazing resource basically every summer normally they're in the summertime national parks will invite artists to come and stay in the park for like between three weeks and a month and just create they'll give you free housing and you will like um, come up with a project proposal and they'll look at that in your application sometimes they have interviews with you sometimes they don't it's all like um, over email and yeah you just like live in a national park and you create work inspired by what you're seeing and it's amazing and um, normally they ask you to do like one or two engagement activities as part of that so typically a workshop or like 
um, when I was, so I ended up getting an, an artist residency at Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And that ended up being the tipping point that led me to quit my job. Um, but while I was there, my engagement activities were dressing up like a firefly with my homemade firefly wings and <laughs> participating in the um, synchronous firefly display. I wasn't, it's something that's like natural. It's um, an amazing phenomenon where fireflies will light up at the same time. It's a very specific species that does this. And there are only a couple places in the world where you can find this amazing thing, but they'll all like light up at once and then they'll all go dark at once. And so it just like makes the forest feel so magical. And People come from all over the world to see this mating display. So I was there during that. And my job was to make these little activity books, like art coloring activity books for kids to explain why the fireflies are doing this. And also to dress up like a firefly and just like <laughs> welcome people. So yeah, so that residency um, also like helped me build up a small following online that was really in line with the work that I wanted to be doing. So these are people that were park rangers or like visit national parks a lot and um they just really liked my work and that was the first time that I started experiencing what it was like to have a community that like really uplifts you with your artwork and it it's just a cool feeling to have that for the first time because normally it was just like my family and my friends being like oh you're good at art but then when other people are like oh this is cool then it it's just an extra layer of uh, confidence that helps me to quit my job after that and start being an illustrator full time. So I love that. Okay. I love yeah. everything about what you just <laughs> said. You're right, <laughs> you're right up my alley. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I have a couple questions. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned in, in the beginning how you like would come home from your, from your job and do two hours worth of work. And I love that mm -hmm. you said like it was hard because there's a a lot of people in the Artist Academy right now that they have full-time jobs and some even have like families and stuff and they're like, it's so hard to do so much. And I'm like, it's hard mm -hmm. for everybody. Um, so what, would, what, what were the kind of the things that you maybe did first? Like maybe like put up a website and then how, mm -hmm. like, could you give anybody some like, I guess, discipline or motivation or strategy mm -hmm. uh, tools for something like that? Yeah, I think that you should start with one thing and try to do it well but don't obsess over it so like oh, that's good. so yeah so put up, up like start your online shop but don't like spend like months agonizing over making it perfect and like i don't know i think you should just like go for it and do a really good job but then move on um so i had my online shop that was i had like a few orders here and there so it wasn't like great but did that, started applying for things, got the residency. And so I guess I just like in small bursts, I would focus on something new while maintaining the thing that I had been doing before. So I think just like something that's helped me a lot. And I'm thinking about it a lot recently with like the new recession and everything. Um, just always thinking of how can I have enough irons in the fire so that if one thing suddenly doesn't work out, even if I'm really counting on it to, I'll still have like an income and I'll still be okay. So that kind of, I got that advice a couple years ago from a couple mentors and they were just like, yeah, try to do as much as you can, but do it well. Don't like spread yourself too thin, but like have a few things going on at once. And that's been really good advice for me. So um, yeah, that's why I do so much because I'm like, I want to be able to have confidence that even if 
people stop purchasing prints because there's a recession, they'll still need um, commercial illustration for, for a magazine or something. Yes, so true. Yeah, and uh, that kind of relates to like a quote that I had heard at, at one point. It was like every millionaire has seven different streams of income, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so it can work as like if you want to grow and if you want to just be like really safe too. That's just a good balance. So is that mm -hmm. how the classes birth? Yeah, kind of. So actually, the class was birth because I. I'm always applying to things. That's another piece of advice that I give everyone is just always be Google searching like opportunities for artists, um, whether that's a residency or a contest or like a publication that might feature your work. Just always be reaching out to people and get used to like silence in return and get used to no's. But like every time it won't hurt as much. And every once in a while, one of those things will work out. Like I applied to a lot of national park residencies and only one of them said yes. So, and that's been the case for so many things. So for the, for the um, class, I actually pitched that as a book to um, this thing called the Adobe Creative Residency and it's super prestigious. So I was like, I probably won't get it, but I'm just gonna spend some time really crafting a proposal and maybe I'll get it. And if not, I'll kind of have an idea for like, this dream project that I want to do. And that was basically the online course that I just launched in the shape, in the shape of a book. Um, so that didn't work out. I didn't get that residency, but I was like, hmm, I still want to like bring this dream to life. So maybe an online course will be a better way to do that because then I don't have to like self publish and spend a bunch of money, like getting a bunch of books that'll just sit in my basement. So yeah. Um, and it, it turned out to be a really good alternative. And even though I didn't get the, the thing that I was shooting for, I still am like really excited about the end result. Yes, definitely. And another thing I just want to mention too, like you really like narrowed in on your niche. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are just kind of like, I, I like to do nature and I like to do people and I like to do pets and I like to do this. And as mm -hmm. do I, you know, but you are a great example of someone who are like, you're like, I love nature. And so I'm going to mm -hmm. go to apply to these residencies. I'm going to try to meet these people. And I think that's just a mm -hmm. brilliant example of knowing exactly what you want have you always like loved the outdoors from from living where you are so that kind of like came about very naturally yeah i would say that it i think from the outside people are like oh you have like a very specific style a very specific niche but that's only kind of recent that i've felt like this really strong sense of like okay this is what i really like to do and until a couple years ago i was just kind of like doing house portraits, doing pet portraits, yeah. <laughs> doing all sorts of stuff. I thought that maybe like I could do um, like fashion illustration. I was just, I just like to draw a lot. And I think in the past like five or six years, that deeper appreciation for nature has been a big part of my life too. So that just kind of coincided with me becoming an illustrator was this like newfound super deep appreciation for nature and I was like oh I could I could merge these things and it felt like a purpose and I never wanted to be an artist that just like sat in my bedroom and just like painted what I felt like my emotions and my feelings like I wanted to have a purpose for my work because it felt even though I think it is really cool when people are very self-expressive with their work that isn't my desire with my art so pairing that with like um, telling the story of the natural world felt like a really good fit for me. And 
who knows, like maybe in 20 years, I'll be more interested in telling the story of people and I'll like become more of a, I am really interested in like, um, working on like journalistic projects with people. I've done a few of those collaborations where like we're meeting interesting people from other cultures and helping to tell their stories visually. And that's really interesting to me too. So maybe in 20 years, that's what I'll be doing. I, I feel like I'm not totally tied to this, but for right now, this is what feels really good. And so this is what I'm doing. Uh, I love all of that. And I, I also, I really resonated with whatever you just said, you, you don't feel the need to do this whole self-expression kind of a thing. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of a, what artists get pegged as quite a bit, because as growing up, we were going through college and stuff, I didn't feel that either. And I was always thinking, I'm like, maybe something's wrong with me. Like, maybe I'm not like mm -hmm. an artsy, artsy person. Because I was like, artsy. I want to make money. I want to, you know, I want to do this for a living, but I want to do, I want to have a purpose. And so I, yeah. I like that you just said that. So thanks for mm -hmm. sharing all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I also felt like I didn't like totally fit in with my art school peers because I wasn't like artsy enough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so silly because I've been creating since I was really little, but I just felt like I didn't fit that mold. And it's just silly. There are so many yeah. different molds that we can be in. So, so true. So, so many different art genres and all the things. Yeah. So, what makes up your typical work day? How many hours do you spend illustrating, painting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's so different depending on what projects I'm taking on at the current time. So, um, so for today, I'll just go through today because okay. it's so different day to day. But um, I get up at like 7.45 and I have quiet time in the morning while I eat my breakfast. I try not to check my phone till noon. That's a new Ooh. thing that I've been doing to like have boundaries. And I get started working around 8.30 and this morning I was working on an illustrated, this is exciting, I haven't announced this yet, but I can, I think, um, an illustrated map of a national forest. I'm working with the Forest Service to create this um, illustrated map that'll kind of like tie together all the plants and animals and landmarks that you can find in the forest. So um, I today was working on that sketch. So I'm doing that sketch on my iPad Pro on in Procreate, which is a really great app. And then tomorrow I'll probably send that to them. They'll give me feedback and then I can do the final um, illustration on regular paper with watercolor and pen and ink. So did that today and did some yoga with an online yoga class. <laughs> um, so I like to take breaks, like doing something active throughout the day. And I'd say I'm probably only like creating for maybe max five hours a day, usually less. Usually it's like three hours a day. And the rest of the day is working on emails and contracts and financial things and taxes and all of that stuff. So um, my life maybe looks super fun from the outside, but most of the day it looks very normal and yeah, just working on running a business so <laughs> yeah it is it's very much a business and yeah, yeah. I think you're doing an amazing job and I, I did not know you were 25 and you said that I was like whoa okay oh that's amazing <laughs> yeah well thanks yeah um okay so I get um I get asked this question quite a bit and I don't really know the answer so this is not one that I prepared for you so hopefully you can share it but um, okay. <laughs> a lot of people they get asked for like um illustration jobs and they have no idea how to price it. Uh, could mm -hmm. you maybe walk through the process of 
bidding and pricing and then usually you mentioned how it kind of goes back and forth a little bit. Can you just mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so recently I've taken on some like bigger clients than I've ever worked with before and it is a lot of negotiation. So some most of the time they're going to be very vague about like what their budget is. I want to know like so what are you thinking because I don't want to like totally undercharge or overcharge. I want to be really fair but also get paid well. So it's it's really hard to know, but normally I'll reach out to illustrator friends that I have who have been in the industry a little longer and they'll give me some really good feedback. And it really depends on like what it's being used for. So is it for like a nonprofit? If so, I'll probably charge a little less if I really like believe in their mission. Um, is it to sell gear? Then I'll probably charge more because they're selling things with my work and that's just kind of how it works. Um, but then I'll draft up a proposal with like normally a couple different packages. That's something that I learned. I don't know who taught me that, but recently someone told me like it's helpful if you have a couple different price options and that way it's not like, oh, this is set in stone. If they don't like it, they're just going to like run away. Yeah. So also saying like this is just a jumping off point and um, I would love to like make this a conversation. And also, even though a lot of people are getting anxiety about talking on the phone, and I sometimes do too, I think it's important in those first couple interactions with a client to talk to them on the phone if you can, just briefly, so they hear your voice and they like have more of a connection with you and they're more willing to work with you. So true, and you can always get just way more out of it too, rather than yeah. so much in an email. You get a feel of them. Yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. big on talking on the phone either, but I'm like, I just need to call them. Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you mentioned whenever people are going to put it on gear, because that's mm -hmm. one thing. Um, a lot of the times my students will get asked to do a design for a t-shirt, say, mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, should I do a fee up front? Should I do royalties of that? What's your mm -hmm. typical way to do that? Mm -hmm. It's so dependent on each project, mm -hmm. so... I just kind of talk to the client about what they had in mind and then if that works with what I want. Um, I'm just starting to like get into the royalty realm with a new client. And so that's like per piece that they sell, how much should I get paid and how much will it need to be to be worth my time? And it's kind of weird because um, then they have to keep track of everything that sells. So you need to really trust them. Like they're going to tell you the honest amount that they're selling and pay you the right amount. But yeah, I, I tend to like to go for like a um, per project fee, flat fee, okay. more than like royalties because also hourly fees. I feel like that can get really confusing because then if they have like a ton of revisions or something, it could, um, I don't know. Yeah, just be confusing. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing all that. I'm sure that mm -hmm. clears up a lot of questions for a lot of people. And it helps me just to answer for them from going on out. Mm -hmm. So can you talk us through your painting process? Are there any methods or techniques that you picked up through your years of experience? You mentioned how you do it on Procreate first. Do you do it like completely on like the full thing where it looks pretty close to what it's going to look like? or And then you paint? So I only really use Procreate and my um, app if, or my iPad, if I'm working on an illustrated map or something that's like an editorial illustration where I have to submit a lot of like nice looking sketches. Otherwise I like to do it all on paper. If I'm just doing like a big botanical painting, it'll just all be on paper. And I normally start out with a, a reference photo that I've taken or that I've like gotten from the client that they've supplied to me. 
and I start out with a really light sketch and then I just build up so many layers of pen, micron pen, watercolor, and let each layer dry between adding more paint so that I just get like a really vibrant final product. So that's definitely something that I learned in the past few years. I've been drawing since I was really small. Watercolor was always something that I kind of like splashed on at the end. So I'd like do an ink drawing and then I just like add a touch of watercolor, but I didn't have like any ability to control it until actually pretty recently. Um, I think towards the end of college, I realized that the reason that I was so into pen and ink was because I couldn't master watercolor and like get the results that I wanted. So it was, I was using it as a crutch. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna touch my micron pens for a whole year. Oh. I'm gonna, I mean, I probably did a little bit, but <laughs> I'm gonna like really focus on getting the control that I want with watercolor. Cause I kind of like the look of that better of just watercolor. So I, I wanted to get there, but I just had to like put in a lot of time to perfect those skills. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's so that's so cool. That's just also two things I know very little about. So I'm so just amazed by what you do. Yeah, I did see that you had done a big illustrated map mural though of like a campground or something. Yeah. That was amazing. Oh, I saw that and I was like, oh, dream job. <laughs> yeah, that that was so fun. And I started to do it with paint because that's what I know. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to start doing it with marker. And funny story about that. I'll tell you, I did the whole thing and mm -hmm. I had no idea about marker or or any kind of like pen or anything and water got spilt on it and it just started running and I was like oh lesson learned now I know to like test yeah. it and like make yeah. sure were but, you able to re like fix it yeah it was okay, fine but good. yeah and we put like a sealant over it to, so now I know but it's just good. learning as you go yeah exactly <laughs> uh, so what is the one thing you don't like to paint without um my slippers <laughs> or also like so it depends on if I'm indoors if I'm indoors just working on like whatever projects I really like to have music I listen to so many podcasts including yours um oh, really I, yeah I do oh I my gosh to Jenna Rainey's interview yesterday oh she's because I've been admiring her for so long so that was cool to see yeah. um I always have a cup of tea or like sparkling water with me I just try to like make it as peaceful of an environment as I can because even though I'm painting a lot of my day and most people think that that's just like probably so fun and so easy and whatever it's still like you have deadlines and stressors and it's it feels like work um it's work that I love doing but also like I have to force myself to do it some days so I try to like make my environment as cozy as possible to make it more enjoyable Yes, I, I love that. I love like that you share that as well, because a lot of people are like, mm -hmm. I don't really feel like painting today. I'm like, none of us do. Yeah. <laughs> like, not all the time. I mean, so sometimes I'm excited to go to the studio, and especially if it's something new. But often, mm -hmm. if, like you said, like if I'm in like mid, you know, mid project, and it's not as fun anymore. And, like, um, or, yeah, the beginning and the end is like exciting, but the middle is rough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, especially like I, I call it the ugly stage. Like it looks yeah. like it's fun at first, and then it looks kind of ugly, and then it looks amazing. But it's like to yeah. get it there. I call it the exact same thing. <laughs> and if I like tell my boyfriend or my family that I'm like going through the ugly phase with a project, they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry. We know how hard that is for you." <laughs> well, they're like, "We're here for you." Yeah. Um, are there any art lessons you've learned the hard way? Oh, I have like, which this one, one written down. Hang on. Okay, yeah. I like took a couple notes on this one because I wanted to give a good answer. Um, 
Oh, okay. This is a huge one. So I learned that personal projects are so important. Um, and just always having something that you're doing just because you're curious about this project is probably going to get you further than taking on tons of client projects. Um, and I think when I first started out, I started taking like a lot of like illustrative-ish logo projects and things that like were more along the lines of branding because I was still kind of in the graphic design world. That's kind of how people knew me. And they saw me more as a graphic designer because that's what I'd gotten for, to school for. Um, and I wasn't really like putting out into the world a lot of my illustration work. I was just putting some out. So that I think people were kind of confused. And um, only when I started doing a lot of personal projects that I really wanted to be doing, I just started like throwing them out there into the, the social media world and my website and everything. Then people were like, oh, this is what she does. And then people started contacting me to do illustration work that was like related to the outdoors. But before that, people were contacting me to do branding work because that's what I was putting out there. So I learned that whatever you're putting out there, that's what people think that you do. That's all that they think they, that you do. And you need to be really intentional about just owning it. Like, I'm an illustrator now, I decided. <laughs> and this is what I do. So, and pretty soon people catch on and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. So they come, it just takes a little time. But yeah. keep a personal project always on, not even the back burner, like always be working on something. Um, some of the most recent clients that I've gotten actually mentioned the only the personal projects that I'd done as being what really stood out to them on my website. And they were like, yeah, this is why we're hiring you because we saw this, this work. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. Because I always kind of thought that people would, clients would only be looking at like your published work as like, oh, this is something that like, we're going to really consider and maybe hire her because she's done this very professional work. But really, they just want to know what can you do. And it's nice if you have a couple bigger clients under your belt, but they just want to see that you can create really cool stuff that they like. So it doesn't matter if it's published or not. You can just slap it on your website, slap it on Instagram and get it out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I think another um, thing that I learned the hard way was that your style will just come with time and practice. And I touched on this a little bit earlier, but when I first started out, I was really stressed out about finding a style. And a lot of people ask me this, like, how do you find a style? And I totally get it. And I had a lot of trouble with this at first, but I think I realized that like, even if I look at my work and I see like illustrated maps and then like botanical uh, watercolors and in my mind those look totally different but to outside people a lot of people are like oh yeah that's Rosalie that's her style so I think we need to like just take the pressure off ourselves and needing to find a style do work that you're excited about and eventually it'll like all begin to look more cohesive but you don't need to box yourself in right away yeah so true and your Instagram looks amazing <laughs> like oh, everything's very well lit and just very very good <laughs> like, well the, the, the ticket for that is take your photos of your original pieces outside and photograph them outside or in front of a window Ooh, oh, it's yeah. really easy to get well-lit ones I think some people think you need to like get professional photographers and if you have like a really big piece then maybe you do need to invest in that but honestly just take it outside set it in the grass put like a piece of cardboard down so it doesn't ruin the painting and then just yeah you get nice natural lighting oh I love that tip and so many people are gonna be like oh I just bought a giant ring light and all that yeah <laughs> yeah I've but, never had anything like that but yeah 
great tip. I love it. <laughs> um, what are your, oh, let's see. Do you have a favorite past project? Favorite past project. Um, I wrote this one down too because I have so many, but oh, so recently I worked with actually my little sister, Clara, who's a journalist, and we both were um, brought in to work on this project with Smithsonian Folklife to kind of document the stories of some people that are ginseng farmers and harvesters and um, conserve the medicinal herb in Appalachia. So it was a very specific project and they were putting this together for the Smithsonian Folklife Festival, which happens every summer on the National Mall and educates the public about like different cultural heritage traditions. So we collaborated on this uh, series of videos where I did a time lapse of like, that just kind of captured the conversations that we were having with these farmers and harvesters and Clara, um, did the audio so she like wrote this really beautiful piece for each person and she like professionally recorded it and then we combined the two and that went up on like their website and that'll be shown this summer as part of their like educational outreach so that was really fun because we were collaborating I was collaborating with my sister and yeah we just like would hop in the car and go around different states meeting with cool people and it just felt so fun to work with her on a project so I think that was one of my favorites oh that's so fun and it's just yeah it's so fun to collaborate and that's so different like it takes you out yeah. of your out of your studio and on to doing something else that's so yeah. fun it's so different it was really cool what are your future art plans and goals what are you working on right now what's going on well I was supposed to be <laughs> flying to a desert today oh. for an, another artist residency but it was canceled because oh. of everything that's going on so Postpone. that's a bummer but Maybe. I think everything is getting canceled right now so um so that's not happening but I'm working on a few pieces for um, Patagonia and those are really fun because they're all about public lands and like um, encouraging people to vote for public lands in the upcoming election so that's something that I really believe in. And um, then working on this big forest map is a big uh, piece that I've been enjoying. So those are a couple of the big ones right now. And I'm hoping that I'll, the desert residency will be uh, postponed so that I can like go and get a bunch of amazing reference photos because I'd really love to do a big, like I just did a like bog mountain botanicals um, botanical collection. And I'd like to do a Desert Botanicals collection. So that's something that I was really hoping to get started on soon. So we'll see. But oh, yeah. everything's yeah. kind of, life is kind of postponed right now for a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like letting that happen. And like being a freelancer is funny because sometimes you have tons and tons of projects and everyone's emailing you. And right now with what's going on, I'm getting like a couple emails a day and it feels really weird. And I keep like refreshing my page because I'm like, something's wrong. But it's just like things are slowing down right now and I just I'm gonna enjoy it and like not pressure myself to like be thinking up all these new crazy things. Although I do want to do more watercolor courses. So um, I'm working on coming up with topics for future courses on Skillshare. Oh, fun. Yeah. And if anybody has yeah. any suggestions for future watercolor topics, let her know. Uh, Definitely. Have... I would love that. Watercolor Cape Town asks, how long do the big maps take to complete? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. Normally, okay, so with the big maps, they're so big that I try not to work on just a map at 
one time I try to work on a map and something else that's like less detailed because otherwise my brain will just explode. So I'll normally work on a map for like three hours in the morning or in the afternoon and then work on another project for like three hours and spread it out over the course of about a month. I don't like to take on more than one map project in a month just because I want to, you have to make sure they're really accurate. So I'm looking at a lot of different maps and comparing them to make sure I'm getting like the best accuracy. Um, and then I also have to talk to like botanists in the region that I'm illustrating for or like different people that are experts that can uh, make sure that I'm getting really accurate information on there. So yeah, the right plants, the right everything. Yeah, because yeah, I don't have a background in science. I'm interested in it and I love the outdoors, but I didn't go to school for like botany. So I make sure that I'm always like surrounding myself by people that have and they can be my contact people and I can just reach out to them for info when I need it. And I kind of see myself as like someone that can go between the people that have done all the research and like gathered all this amazing information and the public who maybe sometimes will look at like research papers and it's just like not super interesting to them. So if I can kind of come in between and be a bridge between um, all of that information in the public and make it a little more interesting for people. That's one of my favorite things to do. Oh, that's awesome. And Watercolor Color Cape Town just is, said the same thing I was thinking. They're like, wow, a map for beginners course would be <gasps> lovely. <laughs> cool, yeah. That's a great idea. I've actually thought of that before. I think it would need to be maybe spread out over a couple different courses. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot. It's just a lot. There's a lot. But I think that's a great idea. I'd love to teach that. It is a great idea. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so my last question, I'll let you get on here. Is there any advice that you would give to artists who want to make art their full-time career but just don't know where to start? Mm -hmm. I would say, first of all, like, it's amazing if you can make it your full-time career and if you want it to be your full-time career, but there's nothing wrong with it not being your full-time career. And I've noticed that with some of my peers that I went to school with, um, I think that they need more structure and they need to have a day job and then make this their like side hustle that is still equally awesome and they're making really cool stuff and they're still making money from it, but it's not their sole source of income. And I think it takes a very unique individual to like sit at home all day and like be your own boss and like I think I was homeschooled when I was younger and I think that really helps me to like oh, yeah. just like be alone a lot and crank things out but for a lot of people that would be really isolating um so I don't think you need to like put pressure on yourself like you're, you either have to be a full-time artist or you're not an artist at all I think you could be a barista at a coffee shop and do art on the side or like as half of what you do and that's just as admirable so take that pressure off um, but if you do decide that you would really like to become a full-time artist, I'd say start putting your work out there as quickly as you can, um, putting out work that you want people to see, but it does not have to be perfect because it'll get better with time. But just like getting over your fear of people seeing your work and judging your work, critiquing your work will open up so many doors because then you can just like feel like, okay, even if this isn't appealing to everyone, I like what I'm creating and there are so many people out there that are like you. So they're going to be into what you're creating, but you just have to find the right audience and that takes a while. So put your work out there. Don't be afraid to like 
reach out to maybe accounts on Instagram that would be interested in featuring your work. Um, and just send them a message, a really nice message. Don't harass anyone, but just I've a couple of times been like, hey, I think that my work might align with what you're doing. Um, feel free to share if you'd like. And just that little things like that help to grow your audience so that more people are seeing your work. And of those people, maybe one of them is an art director. Maybe one of them is like looking for a custom piece and they'll reach out to you. So put your, oh, I just threw my ring across the room. You're like, and done. <laughs> Mic drop. <Yeah>, I'm out. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I love everything what you just said too. And I just, I like how you were just like, you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like, uh, have, you, have you read the book, uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I've heard of it. I've not read it though. You'd like it. It's very much, she's she's like, take the pressure off of your creativity. And I think that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying. And I think it's so funny too, because we're all like in quarantine and I'm like, this is the, this is my life. Like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And everyone's freaking out and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is what I do. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, now I have an excuse to stay home. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little weird for me because um, my sister is in quarantine with me, so she and she doesn't normally work from home. So now I have to like work from home with someone else. So I'm sure a lot of people are getting used to like working from home with spouses and stuff. It's a little confusing, exactly. but yeah, my my husband's very much an extrovert, like to the core, and he's just like, uh, okay, let's do something now. I'm like, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. You you should be thank a speaker you. or something because this is very oh, informational and like very, very informative and very inspiring and just all of it. You're a great interviewee. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You're a great interviewer. Yeah. I wanted to say real quick, just a shout out to someone that's really like, um, kind of through their podcast, given me a lot of mentorship. And I feel like so much of what I just said was inspired by them. So I definitely want to give them yeah. a shout out. Andy J. Miller is a podcaster. He has the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Okay. And I started listening to him when I was still an intern in college. And oh my goodness, like so many actionable steps. Even if you're like a musician and not an illustrator at all, you could listen to his podcast and get like a perfect path to like making this your career um yeah so he's helped me a lot and I really recommend that podcast what what was it again Andy or Andrew Andy J Miller Andy J Miller and the and the yep the creative pup talk awesome yeah passable yeah it's so good we we can never get enough because I feel like I'm always having a podcast in my ear and I'm running Mm -hmm. out of episodes all the time so that's amazing I'll I'll definitely I I go through like four a day (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes I'm like this isn't healthy I shouldn't have this much information swirling around in my brain but whatever (laughs) whatever it's fun it's fun to listen to other artists too and so we're not alone yeah yeah and I think like so much of my education has come from just listening to podcasts, reading books, and talking to other illustrators that are like more established than me. So I, oh, this is a good final tip. If you're a young artist and you feel like you have to go to art school to be successful, I would say it's that's not true. Um, I went to a really small school and it wasn't an art school. I did go to, a, through like the graphic design program, but it wasn't for art. And I went there because my dad was a professor and it ended up working out okay. But um, I think so many people think you have to like drop a ton of money going to art school. And I think there's so many amazing resources out there like your podcast and like Andy's podcast. And you can just piece together all these things and be pretty well set. And then just like making mistakes on your own and figuring 
figuring things out like we have. Um, yeah, yep. you can do it. <laughs> just take what you want, figure it out, puzzle it together, and make a lot of mistakes, yeah. and then make, yeah. it, make some really good decisions, too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, I think that's a perfect ending to it. Thank you so much for visiting Thank with us you. today. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be very inspired by your illustration tips and know-how and everything, so... Cool. Great well, thank you so you. much for having me, and I hope to like hang out with you one day. And I know, right? Paint <laughs> birds together. Or something. <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's apply for a uh, an, uh, a joint artist residency. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, I'll be like, hey, I'm I'm going to this one. We'll just apply to like thirty <laughs> and see. Yep, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much again. I'll talk cool. to you later. Thank you so much. Bye bye. This episode is sponsored by the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, a program for artists who want to up-level their art game by taking it from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time six-figure art business. With weekly trainings that include step-by-step -step proven art business techniques, plus painting tutorials from yours truly and other guest artists who are masters in their field, you will be well-equipped to learn and grow into the highly skilled and highly profitable artist you know you're meant to be. I've figured out what it takes to build my own six-figure art business, and now my heart is set on teaching aspiring artists like you to do the same. It's not hard, but it does require your time and dedication. So if you're up for the challenge, go to advancedmember.com. That's advancedmember.com to learn more. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. If you review our podcast and send a screenshot of that review to me on Instagram, I am at art by Andrea Earhart. I will then promote your art on my story and tag you as a little thank you for helping me grow this podcast and our Artist Academy community. I have a reach of over 50,000 on Instagram. So this is a little help me to help you incentive. Also, if you ever want your questions answered in real time by myself or featured guests, then just hop on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Artist Academy to check out the schedule every Tuesday to catch us on live. I'll see you next week.